Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and wow, so many films to watch this week. It is a smorgasbord of choices. Now, I actually have really mixed feelings on a lot of them, so it was interesting to finally get to dive in. You know, some of them are meatier than others. Some of them just, no thank you. The films are Raya and the Last Dragon, which is the latest Disney animated film. It's on Disney Plus with Premiere Pass, which means you have to buy it, essentially. Then there is Coming to the Number Two America, which is the sequel to Coming to America on Amazon Prime. There's also Moxie, which is Amy Poehler's latest film, and that's on Netflix. Boogie, which is a basketball slash immigrant story by Eddie Huang. And finally, there's Chaos Walking, which stars Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley on a alien planet. And oh boy, uh, it's going to be a fun one. So without further ado, here's We're Watching What? First up is Raya and the Last Dragon, and this was supposed to come out in theaters, but made its way onto Disney+, Plus, and it is one of those ones where you do have to pay for it right now, and I have a lot of mixed feelings about this film. The premise is, this is directly from Disney's website, Raya and the Last Dragon takes us on an exciting, epic journey to the fantasy world of Kumandra, where humans and dragons lived together long ago in harmony, but when an evil force threatened the land, the dragons sacrificed themselves to save humanity. Now, 500 years later, the same evil has returned and it's up to a lone warrior, Raya, to track down the legendary last dragon to restore the fractured land and its divided people. However, along her journey, she'll learn that it'll take more than a dragon to save the world. It's going to take trust and teamwork as well. Okay, fine. It's a Disney movie. Like, this is, you know, pretty standard par for the course. I have a couple problems. I have a lot of problems with this film, actually. So the first thing is it felt like a film that was made by committee. This film has four directors, two directors and two co-directors. Now, it's not uncommon in animation to have multiple directors of a film. That's just sort of how the process works. But four is feels a little excessive. And then watching the film itself, I felt like they had a bunch of ideas and just mushed them together. There's a lot of action related sequences and the film is an hour and 48 minutes and that honestly it feels a little long. So there's a lot of action and while that's cool to see the first few times, it gets a little tired. The other challenge I have with this is it takes place in a fantasy world, totally acknowledging that it is inspired by Southeast Asian culture. Okay, acknowledging that as well. However, for better or for worse, they got, I would say, a lot of working Asian Hollywood to do the voices in this film. Okay, great. I appreciate that they are trying to make a point to cast Asian and Asian American actors in these roles, but all Asians aren't alike. And again, totally fantasy world, totally get it. But you've got, you know, Korean Canadians in Sandra Oh. You've got American Chinese people with Aquafina. You've got Vietnamese Americans with Kelly Marie Tran. You've got British Chinese people via Hong Kong and Benedict Wong. It's just, we're not all the same. And, it, you know, I think it just saddens me that there aren't enough Southeast Asian actors or actresses that they either felt safe casting or could even find to be in this film. Now, all the people of Kumandra aren't alike, but I feel like when it came to the rigs or the character designs that they just sort of recycled characters from other Disney 3D films and made them a little t more tan. And I mean, this is racist, but that's what character design is here. You know, slanted their eyes a little bit. Didn't love that part. There is one character played by Benedict Wong who I was like, oh, I've literally seen this, you know, rig, this character design from Tangled. They're just a little more tan right here. Like it's literally, if you watch the, one of the sequence with the bandits entangled, you'll be like, I know that character. You know, it's one eye patch, like missing teeth. It's, I, I get it. Disney has recycled through the history of their work, but this just felt like this is your first Asian led film in however long since Mulan, basically. Could you not have put a little more effort into it? 
I would say the voice acting is fine. So the cast is Kelly Marie Tran as Raya, Aquafina as Sisu, who's the last dragon, Gemma Chan as Namari, Daniel Day Kim as Benja, who's Rai's dad, which by the way, the character design for Daniel Day Kim's character looks like Daniel Day Kim. And I was like, okay, uh, you did a very, this is the one distinct looking character in this entire film. Benedict Wong plays Tong, who's that character I was referring to that looks exactly like one of the ones from Tangled, but more tan. And then it's rounded out by Lucille Song, who you might know from Fresh Off the Boat, she's the grandmother, and Sandra Oh. Again, it just felt like a bunch of storylines mushed together. And I loved Moana. Like, I thought Moana was a really wonderful and joyous film. And I'm like, do I just not like this as much because it's not a musical? Like, the music of Moana, I think, really tied it together. I have to give this credit. I did like that it is a story about a female protagonist. And it's not a love story. Spoilers, but not really. Uh, She's technically a princess, I suppose. But it's more about friendship and trust and learning to trust your greater community. But it's not the most exciting thing. The other problem I have with the design is the dragon in it looks like no dragon I have ever seen in East Asian, at least, culture in my entire life. It is furry and rainbow and just, I guess it has hair, like rainbow. It's like a My Little Pony had mushed with the dragon. That's what I would imagine is this, you know, and it just felt like a gross play for merchandising so they could sell these to little girls everywhere. Hopefully little boys too. You know, I hope little boys like this film. And I really did want to support this film when I heard it was coming out. I want to support projects that star Asian and Asian American people. The writers are both Asian. And I'll totally acknowledge that I seem to be in a slight minority in terms of reactions to this. Everyone keeps praising the film and that's great. You know, if people had a good time at it, I'm not one to begrudge that, especially in the pandemic and all this stuff. But For me, I just, I wanted more out of it. And I just felt like it was a bunch of gimmicks and action sequences and stuff strung together by a very thin plot. It actually felt, not to discredit video games, but it did feel like a little video gamey to me in terms of, okay, we have a mission. And these missions are all very similar. It's it's very sort of, okay, here's a challenge. Here's like a boss. Here's a challenge. Here's a boss. And it felt very formulaic in a way that I had just hoped that they would break out of for this. There are also a bunch of logic questions that I won't go into because it'll spoil a lot of it, but I was head scratching by the end of this film. If you are excited about this film, go ahead and watch it. It's not terrible, right? It's just not the same quality. Like I don't feel like, for me at least, it's going to rank up there as a classic film. There are a couple decisions actually I think they could have made that would have made it really sort of progressive that I, you know, they shied away from because Disney and Squeaky Clean and Middle America, I'm sure is probably what it came down to, but it's fine. I feel like there's a lot of pressure riding on it just because there aren't a lot of films, either animated or live action, that star Asian casts and people who look Asian on screen. So I wish it had exceeded my expectations. I actually already had relatively low expectations for it. Like, I wish it was a classic. But for me, it's just not going to be that. I think it's fine. I think it'll kind of be a little bit forgettable. There are parts of it that are very pretty. But that does not a movie make. And to their credit, all the voice actors do a fine job. It's just, again, as I mentioned, it's gimmicky, it's formulaic, and it's kind of cobbled together. But it's not a bad movie. It's just not a great movie. So I'm going to give it a 3.2 out of 5. I feel like that might be being a little bit generous. But I, you know, I do want to support this film if possible. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. Next up is Coming to the number two, America, which is the sequel to the film Coming to America. And this is another one I, I mean, actually, I think almost all the films this week I have mixed feelings on, except for one of them, which was just not objectively, it was not good. But for Coming to America, look, it's basically the same as the movie Coming to America, the first one. Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall are back. James Earl Jones, Sherry Headley, John Amos, and Louis Anderson are all back. And they've added Tracy Morgan, Wesley Snipes, Leslie Jones, Jermaine Fowler, and Kiki Lane. And look, did we need this movie? No. Is 
a lot of Black Hollywood in this movie? Yeah, absolutely. Did it seem like a really, really fun time to film at least? Totally. And if I was in a position where, you know, I was invited to be in this movie, I would of course say yes. It seemed like a really fun experience for them to make. Does that mean it's a really fun experience for you as an audience member? That's where it gets debatable. I think if you really love the first one, you're going to have a fine time with this one. Like, I, I think the first one is funny. I don't think it's my favorite film of all time or my favorite comedy even, but I totally acknowledge that it's funny. It's certainly dated. And this one, I will say, does try to sort of make up for that. I think to their credit, they were aware that a lot of the jokes would just not fly now. And this is something that I noticed both Borat's subsequent movie film and coming the number two, America did, where they are using female characters and daughters in this case to sort of update and make a little more PC the storylines. Eddie Murphy is still playing Prince Akim and many other roles. The heir apparent to Zamunda and he has three daughters and there's this whole drama about how, oh, the crown can only pass to a son and he finds out, you know, this is in the trailers that he has a bastard son in the United States. And then Wesley Snipes plays a neighboring general who, you know, wants to take over or marry off his kids. The, uh, the plot doesn't matter. Let's be honest. If you've seen one, you've seen two. But, you know, so I do give them credit for trying to modernize it a little bit with the whole sort of feminist angle and that women can do the same stuff men do. But at the, at the same time, it's it's just recycled. And a lot of the jokes are recycled. Some of them obviously do not make it into this because they would not be accepted nowadays. But Overall, you know, it's fine. It's funny. It's on Amazon Prime. So you're not really paying extra if you have it. And in that case, I say go ahead and watch it. If you've not seen the first one, or you don't find the first one funny, this is not for you in any way, shape or form. Now, the thing I can't speak to is if you were a huge fan of the first movie, uh, would this ruin that experience for you? I honestly don't know just because the first movie, again, as I said, was very funny to me, but it's not, you know, in my top all lauded films. And so I don't know if seeing this would make me disappointed. And so just be aware of that going into it. You know, it's not gonna up the game of the first one. I think the biggest standout thing to me was the costumes because Ruth E. Carter did them and they just look fantastic. You know, she is probably one of the greatest costume designers of all time. She did Black Panther and Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X. And she's just clearly got a vision and is just such a talented costume designer. But when the fact that that's the thing I'm noticing out of the film and not the comedy in a comedy movie. And I will say there were times where I laughed out loud and enjoyed it, but not for the entire film. And it feels a little bit long and it's a little bit formulaic, but we don't have a ton to choose from these days. So if it sounds enjoyable to you, you know, it's still also a little crude, but feel free to check it out. I personally will give it a three out of five. And then next up is a film called Moxie, which is available now on Netflix. And it is directed by Amy Poehler, who I think is delightful and funny. And I love everything she does with Smart Girls Ask. And it's about a 16 year old girl named Vivian. And she's very rule abiding. She keeps her head down. You know, she's very focused on academics. And then a new student shows up at her school and sort of forces her to examine her worldview and and the behavior of other students at her school, particularly some of the male students. And so she ends up expressing her thoughts through a zine. And hopefully you are not too young to know what a zine is. I felt very old watching this movie. I will say that from the start. And I'm not even that old, I would like to say. But it definitely made me feel a, a divide between what, I don't know, is this what current high schoolers are going through? Like, I, I don't envy the environment they, they are going through. I appreciate that there's a level of wokeness, for lack of a better word, that is starting to come to these environments. But at the same time, like, it's really painful. It's a painful thing to have to deal with it. And it's a painful thing to have to watch as someone who realizes that, wow, this a lot of this I was aware of was going on at my school. And a lot of it, I'm afraid I was not aware of that went on either at my school or at my peer schools. And it's just very scary, but also in some senses empowering. And so much like the other films that I've watched this week, Raya and the Last Dragon is one, and I'll talk about Boogie in a minute, but 
I want to support this film. I just objectively have to acknowledge that as a film, it's a little bit uneven. There are parts of it that I think really shine. I think there are a lot of moments between the female characters that I really enjoyed. And then also there's this whole romance storyline between the girl Vivian and an enlightened young man played by Nico Haraga, who I think was in Booksmart. And I'm like, oh yeah, you are a good modern day sort of crush protagonist. I should say that Vivian, the main girl, is played by Hadley Robinson. The new student who comes to her school is played by Alicia Pasquale Pena. And the rest of the cast also has Lauren Tsai, Patrick Schwarzenegger, who, by the way, plays douchebag so, so well. And it actually was a little bit scary. I'm like, oh, I bet you really like this. And then it's also Josephine Langford, Clark Gregg, Ike Barnholt, and Marsha Gay Harden. And I think, again, so some of the challenges are the performances are fine. You know, it's, it's tough, especially, I think, with young adult actors. But I thought they did a very good job. I think the adults do a fine job. You know, Marsha Gay Harden plays the principal of the school. And I hated her character, as I was supposed to, because... She's a female adult who, you know, several of these characters come to with issues, who is very just sort of like, don't make waves, don't rock the boat, you know, sweep things under the rug. And that sort of behavior is absolutely detrimental to, you know, youth, adults, whoever it may be. Uh, she is not an ally. And I think the biggest issue is just tonally, it's a little bit all over the place. It's trying to mush a bunch of things together because there's this cute romance side. There's this screw the patriarchy side, which I was all for, you know. There's female friendship side. There's trouble like teenage rebellion with parents stuff. There's, you know, budding feminism and, and you know, a whole music thing with Bikini Kill. And then pacing wise, some of the themes come in way later than they should have. Like it's stuff that I wish they'd laid the groundwork for a little bit earlier. But overall... You know, I, so, okay, I found it hard to watch, I think, because I am, you know, a childless adult who is far enough away from her teenage years that high school is just sort of a fever dream slash nightmare away from me and my memory. I've probably repressed a lot of it. Uh, so as I mentioned, you know, I don't have like teenage kids. And so as a parent, I would imagine this would also be very hard and maybe scary to watch. Now, if this film had come out when I was a teenager, I think I would have been a little bit inspired by it because I do think that a lot of the messaging is really important. I just wish some of the extraneous stuff didn't get in the way. Overall, just for me, I'm going to give this one a 3 out of 5. And then next up is Boogie, which is written and directed by Eddie Huang. You might know him from, he's the person who Fresh Off the Boat is based off of. And I really liked Fresh Off the Boat. And I will totally acknowledge that it's, you know, very traditional sitcom. It, I love that it was about a, you know, Taiwanese family. And I related to that one a lot more. There are a lot of elements in Fresh Off the Boat that are clearly, you know, obviously it's, it's a semi-autobiographical story about him. And so his love of basketball is something I am definitely familiar with. But this film is interesting in that it sort of straddles the line of it's a basketball film, but it's also trying to be an immigrant film. And not that they are mutually exclusive, but this film does not do the best job of weaving them together. I think for me, at least, you know, I'm not, I, there are certain sports movies I really like, and there are others I just don't care that much about. And I think that I related much more to the cultural parts of this, the immigrant experience. Uh, the story basically is that um, Alfred Boogie Chin is a basketball phenomenon who's living in Queens in New York, and he wants to play in the NBA. And apparently he is good enough to play in the NBA. And so his parents are pressuring him and pulling him in one direction and another and then there's the whole, you know, they are immigrants. There's a whole bunch of issues that have to do both with the sort of financial divide. And then there's the racial divide. Uh, you know, he is a Taiwanese American. Part of the film revolves around him getting a girlfriend who happens to be black. And so that's sort of a vehicle for them having a lot of these discussions. The thing that really sort of challenged me is the sports side of it, I don't necessarily usually have an inherent interest in. But if you do it well, I'm totally invested. But I don't feel like they did it super well. The cultural 
challenge side of it, I'm very, very invested in, but I don't feel like they did a great job of that either. And it felt like they were trying to sort of jam these two things together and didn't know which to focus on. And I feel like in a more maybe skilled hands, if you had just focused on one, the other stuff would have come with it, right? I think the other part I struggled with is that the main character is not the most likable protagonist. And not that every film has to have a super likable protagonist, but I just struggled a little bit because I wasn't connecting to the sports side of it. And a lot of it really does focus on, oh, he's this great sports star. You know, I I didn't feel like he was deserving of my watching this film. It just felt sloppy. I totally get it's, you know, it's a debut feature from him. I think my biggest problem with this film is much like Riot and the Last Dragon, because there are so few films with Asian representation, if this doesn't do well, it's quite possible that studios or executives will go, oh, it's because people don't want Asian stories, right? That's not actually true. It's just there are so few out there that there's so little to judge on. And so, you know, if Raya doesn't do well, if Mulan didn't do super well, it's just this fear that I have as an audience member and also as an Asian person that, well, if you don't do a great job, like everything can't be crazy rich Asians. I've said this before and I'll say it again. And yet we're still in a place where everything is being held to that standard. And it's in such a delicate position that we don't have the narrative plentitude that mediocre films, and this is a mediocre at best film, can come out and I can feel confident that no, it's okay. We'll have other Asian directors and writers will have opportunities. It's a really stressful place to be in. And so, you know, but at the same time, I have to objectively say it's not a great film. I think even if you are a huge basketball fan, it's probably not a great film. If you are a person who is very immersed in Asian and Asian American representation, still not a great film. We can't arbitrarily elevate films like this just because they do have people who look like us and are made by people who look like us or identifies the same background as us, right? We do have to hold them to a high standard. And so, you know, not to knock this film, but I just, I can't recommend it. I don't think it's a particularly well-made film. There are parts of it that I think were very relatable, you know, especially for me, there's a lot of scenes with like the family and also revolving around food. And Eddie is, you know, known for food stuff as well. But clearly, I think, you know, this is a bit of a wish fulfillment film and that he wanted to be a basketball star. So overall, I just I can't give this film a super great rating because I don't think it's a super great film. I'm only going to give it 2.2 out of 5. And then the last film I have is called Chaos Walking. And wow, it's okay. So I don't feel bad about ripping into this one because it's just not a good film at all. And I think the premise was actually okay. It's set in a world where uh, I think like a colony of people landed and they land on this planet and men's inner monologues can be heard. Like they are projected externally. And so any train of thought you have is heard by everyone. And so, you know, we meet Tom Holland is our first protagonist and he lives in this group and it's all dudes and they, you know, can all hear each other think. And then Daisy Ridley is a character who crash lands into their little colony area and she's a woman. Women are not affected by whatever this thing is. And so there are problems out of that. The cast is rounded out by Mads Mikkelsen, who I got to give that dude credit. Like this is not a lot to go on. And yet he's still the most watchable best part of this film. Doesn't mean it's a good film. But I still enjoy watching him and things. Damien Beecher is in it. Cynthia Erivo, Nick Jonas, because go figure it. David Oyelowo. Okay, this film has seven people credited as writers. It's based on a novel by Patrick Ness, who was involved in the screenplay. Charlie Kaufman, of all people, who I I can actually sort of see making sense in some universe that we live in, being a writer of this. But either way. Six of those writers are dudes, and there is one sort of token woman who I assume was brought in to do one pass of it. And you want to talk about films written by committee. Like, if I thought Raya was written by committee, this film was just... This film should also just be called Fragile Masculinity, the film. Daisy Ridley is 
fine. Like Tom Holland is fine. Daisy Ridley's fine. I this is uh, it's such an unfair but also fair criticism. I think Tom Holland is a fine actor, but I can't see him as anything but a young man. And not that he's playing like an older man in this, but he's sort of supposed to be this actiony hero. And while I think he's perfectly suited to Spider Man. The idea of him in this, or the idea, more frighteningly, of him as Nathan Drake in Uncharted, I'm just like, I don't see it. And this film did not help me see it. Now, again, I don't know if it's this because this film was just such a hodgepodge and he couldn't save it or anyone couldn't save it. There are also all of these sort of gratuitous scenes of him without a shirt. And I'm like, you trying to set him up as sexy? Because to me, he just reads as very athletic teenage boy. There are just so many different concepts that they are throwing around in this. And I think if they had just picked a lane and stayed with it, like, okay, fine. If you want to do the premise is women aren't affected by this, men are fine. But then there's a whole like religious zealot angle. David Oyelowo plays like a preacher. There's a whole sort of nature invasive species thing where there's, oh my God, yes, there's a native species on this planet that they end up fighting with. And the CG on them is just terrible like I didn't think it could get worse and then the aliens showed up and I was like no just no there's a you know there's a bunch of weird action sequences I just oh what a mess it's it's only out in theaters like actual theaters right now but if or when this comes to home entertainment I am so sorry but please don't watch this film even from a oh is this so bad it's good perspective it's not it doesn't come anywhere close to that category I'm only going to give this one out of five. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.